So tonight, I'd like to explore the topic of mindfulness itself, becoming familiar with the experience of mindfulness, the experience of awareness. And the way, one way that is interesting to explore, I found in my own practice, this quality of mindfulness is through seeing or noticing how mindfulness comes and goes. We often talk about this from the other side. We talk about the wandering mind. We talk about mindfulness, you know, just like getting lost. But I like to, to explore the edges of that phenomenon does it mean to be curious about mindfulness itself through looking at the edges of this familiar, really familiar process of the mindfulness getting lost? Noticing when it comes back and also beginning to see something about how it gets lost. And so really we're, we're looking at investigating mindfulness itself. Noticing it as a quality itself. Not so interested in, although we do, we are interested in what mindfulness takes in, what mindfulness is aware of. But in this talk, I'd like to really kind of emphasize the awareness side itself so that we can begin to get familiar with this experience of mindfulness. There's a lot we can learn looking at this looking at how mindfulness comes and goes. We can see how our minds get caught. We can recognize the uncontrollability of the mind. When we sit down and we meditate, sit down to practice, intending to be present, intending to be mindful. And what happens? Mindfulness goes away. Not because we decided to have it go away, but because of conditions. We didn't choose to have that happen. It happened because of conditions. And likewise, sometimes even more amazing, really, and reflecting about it, mindfulness comes back. And who did that? We were off wandering around and some kind of thinking about something or other. And suddenly, we become aware again. We didn't choose to do that either. And so it really is a pointer, this seeing of this simple phenomenon that we're so familiar with is a pointer to this teaching of not-self. I've also found this kind of exploration around these, the edges of the mindfulness getting lost in this way, kind of helps to bring the curiosity To bring the curiosity around the mindfulness rather than a judgment around 
the getting lost itself. When I kind of turned the mind towards this curiosity of noticing the return of mindfulness, rather than emphasizing the fact that the mindfulness had been lost, but, oh, mindfulness is back. It's like no matter how many times the mind wandered in a sitting, it gave me an opportunity to notice that, to notice that moment of mindfulness returning, to see the effortless quality of that mindfulness returning. That is a great moment. We didn't have to do a thing to have that mindfulness return. It happened. And we can begin to connect with that that curiosity about the mindfulness itself and the effortless quality of that mindfulness returning. It's a pointer, in a way, to how effortless mindfulness can be because we didn't have to do that moment of mindfulness. And so we think we know what mindfulness is, perhaps. We have some words for it, being with experience or being present, being aware, knowing what's happening while it's happening. And yet it is kind of, in some ways, it is kind of a mysterious thing. Some of the things we think about what mindfulness is, the, the knowing, or the, what, I, what I pointed to the other day, that I thought that when, if I wasn't deciding what to be mindful of, it meant that I wasn't mindful. That this recognition of attention and mindfulness being separate things, that we don't have to consciously choose There's just this this knowing, this uh, awareness of what's happening in the present moment while it's happening. And so I think of mindfulness as, as related to this very simple, ordinary capacity of our human minds to know what's happening in the present moment while it's happening. And yet the mindfulness that the Buddha pointed us to was not just that simple knowing what's happening in the present moment while it's happening. He pointed us to right mindfulness, which a simple way perhaps to explore that or to understand it is that we know experience happening in the present moment and are interested in it as experience happening in the present moment. Maybe that just sounds like repeating myself. But it's, it's different than what our minds typically do. Our minds typically in becoming aware of something or in having awareness, in being, being present, especially before we've met the practice of mindfulness, when we become aware of what's happening in the present moment, we engage with our agendas around it. We engage with our, our 
thoughts about how it can be useful for me to do this or not do this or to get this thing or not get this thing or to, to act, to engage. And so the mindfulness that is this onward leading mindfulness, the right mindfulness, it's a very simple kind of awareness that is curious about what's happening as a human experience. So frustration is arising in the present moment. What is the experience of a human being feeling frustration in the present moment? What is that like? That's very different than frustration arising in the present moment and trying to figure out what to do about that frustration. So the, the texts, the, the texts actually speak about wrong mindfulness as opposed to right mindfulness. And wrong mindfulness is defined as being part of the wrong eightfold path, basically. And so wrong mindfulness comes out of wrong view, wrong intention. When there's wrong view and wrong intention, the kind of mindfulness that would arise would be not the kind of mindfulness that is onward leading. A classic example of this is the the possible mindfulness of, of a thief going through a house to steal something. Maybe very present, very aware of every step, every movement, particularly if there's somebody in the house while they're stealing. Very aware to, to make themselves very quiet while moving through the house. And yet the motivation for that Mindfulness is greed. It's not the curiosity of what is it like to take a step? What is it like to touch? What is it like to be here in this moment? It's, it's got an agenda behind it that is, has the a quality of unwholesome motivation. And so this, uh, you know, this kind of framing of wise mindfulness or right mindfulness around being curious around what is this present moment experience and being curious around what is leading to suffering, what is leading away from suffering. That's pointing us in the direction of right mindfulness. And so in terms of getting familiar with mindfulness itself, getting familiar with this experience of mindfulness. And in this talk, I'll use the terms, the words mindfulness and awareness synonymously. One of the, we've mentioned this a few times in the last few days, one of the places where it can be kind of clear, begin to be clear about what the experience of mindfulness actually is, is in the moment when mindfulness returns after the mindfulness has been lost. After the mind has been off thinking about something not mindful and mindfulness returns, that moment 
that moment of mindfulness returning. This is what is called sometimes in the in the um, in the Abhidhamma, the Buddhist psychology. It's sometimes called unprompted mindfulness. It is a mindfulness that is not arising based on our own kind of intention. It is simply arising. It's arising based on conditions. Some of those conditions having been cultivating the mindfulness in the, in the past. It's arising based on conditions. And it is, again, it is not our conscious doing. And so this is what my understanding of this unprompted mindfulness is. That moment of mindfulness returning, when it returns, the experience there as mindfulness returns, if we can be curious about, as I said this morning, aware again, aware again, and be really interested in that experience, the awareness side of that experience. In the moment when mindfulness returns, it's like the, the moment before. Sometimes there's a little lag in actually noticing that mindfulness has returned, but we can be curious about this moment. There's a can be kind of uh, interested in seeing this moment. And yet, it's not something we can decide to do. By its very nature, we cannot say, I'm going to know when mindfulness returns. It's more almost of an intention, a kind of a, uh, a setting of a kind of a, this is a, this is something that I'm curious about. So it's kind of connecting with that quality of curiosity. And so that, that um, curiosity about that moment may allow us to begin to see it more clearly and to begin to, to understand it as, oh, mindfulness is back, aware again. And in that moment, as we see mindfulness returning, there is a little bit of a a difference. There's a kind of a, in that moment as mindfulness comes back, there's a little bit of a difference between what it feels like now that the mind is aware and what the experience was a moment before when the mindfulness was kind of, when, when the mind was kind of caught in something and mindfulness wasn't so available. So there's a, there's a, a moment in that arising of mindfulness where there can be a little bit of seeing of the difference between what it means for the mind, mindfulness to be here and the mindfulness to not be here. So we can begin to notice that difference between being mindful and not being mindful in that moment as mindfulness returns. It's not exactly that we know what it's like in the moment to not be mindful, but it's like there's a lingering flavor or a lingering understanding as mindfulness returns of what that moment before was like. It's like it, it's, 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 its flavor lingers a little bit and we can have a little bit of a sense of, oh, this is what it's like to be mindful. This is the experience of mindfulness. This is awareness. Aware. Awareness is here. As we begin to be curious about that experience of the moment of mindfulness returning, 
a great moment because it's not something we have to do. It's completely effortless. And as we get familiar with it, the very familiarity with that experience creates the conditions for us to become more attuned to it, creates the condition for us to see it more easily, that moment of mindfulness returning. And it happens a lot, way more than you think. This moment of mindfulness, this kind of awareness of what's happening in the present moment, it happens. And often, very quickly, as mindfulness arises, just in our daily, daily activities in particular, you know, that when, when if we're kind of lost in something not, not particularly mindful and suddenly we become aware of something, it may be that we become aware of something and then immediately we, we think about what do I have to do to take care of that thing or what do I need to do about that? And so sometimes those moments of mindfulness arise, and if we're not so attuned to recognizing them, it's like they get submerged again really quickly. And yet as we, as we kind of get interested in that moment, as we explore that curiosity about recognizing it, it begins to attune us to that experience, and we see it more and more. And so this simple practice of kind of attuning to that moment gives us the, has the benefit of, kind of creating more moments or having us recognize more of those moments, which in turn creates more of those moments, creates the conditions for more of those moments to be noticed. So this, it's, it's, it's not the recognition of it when it has arisen, so the arising of it is effortless. There's a subtle sense of kind of recognizing, kind of kind of landing with it, that may be a little bit of personal effort. So noticing it has arisen, and oh yes, aware again. That's, that's the effort, that's that recognition. Aware again, awareness is back. What's that? What's that experience? And in that moment, we notice that experience of awareness. Notice the awareness itself. And then our practice is what's obvious. What's obvious in that moment? And potentially, as I was speaking about this this morning, um, if the mind has been caught in something, whether caught in thought or caught in an emotion or a mood or a mind state, when the mindfulness returns, it's likely that, well, there will be some experience in the present moment. It's kind of the landscape of the experience that we're waking up into that has been conditioned by the previous moments of either thinking or connecting, being, being um, um, pulled into a particular mind state. 
And so when that mindfulness returns, there's, there's going to be some flavor that's connected to what had been happening. I often speak about it as waking up in, you know, what is the landscape now? That mindfulness has returned. What is the landscape you're waking up into? Depending on how long the wandering, how long the mindfulness was lost, the landscape may be very different than it was before the, the mindfulness got lost. And so it's, it's kind of being curious about that. What's here now? What's obvious? What is here now? So sometimes checking the attitude can also be useful because the, the, an attitude can sometimes be constructed while the mindfulness, while the mindfulness is lost. So, for instance, if the mindfulness was lost and we were thinking about something that we were frustrated by, if we come back and notice, well, I'm aware, but we don't really take in that what's here in this moment, that that there had been this kind of ripple of frustration that had been informing the mind in the previous moments, if we don't notice that, then... In just, in just a t- turning to what's here right now, okay, well, there's body sensation and there's this and there's that, and not really noticing that an attitude may have been created, an attitude of frustration, that attitude not necessarily having anything to do with body sensation or, or what we're, what, what's happening in, in our current experience. It was constructed based on thinking about perhaps a, a memory But if we don't notice in that moment when when the mindfulness returns that that flavor is there, it may become the attitude. And we may have frustration about whatever is happening because it wasn't clearly seen. And so that, that moment, noticing, aware again, and what's the landscape that you're waking up into? As I also mentioned this morning, the, the landscape might well be way more than I could have possibly thought it would be. Might be more calm or more ease than there was before the mindfulness got lost. Sometimes the mind kind of finds its way in the getting lost. Sometimes it finds its way to a letting go. And so when the mindfulness returns, what is the landscape? Not to be particularly looking for hindrances or or, uh, greed, aversion, delusion there, but just what's there because sometimes it can be beautiful qualities of mind that are there when the mindfulness returns. And so that moment, the recognizing, aware again, and beginning to get a little bit familiar with the difference between the awareness and the not being aware at the moments before. Just getting familiar with that. We can also begin to be curious, or one thing I'll say kind of as an overarching thing for this talk and many of the talks that at least I will give. Um, um, it may sound at times like this is a suggestion of something to do. 
But as uh, Sayadaw often mentions, um, and many times I've, I've gone off trying to do something that he's talked about, and I've come back and reported something, and he said, well, were you trying to do that? And I said, yes. Didn't you tell me to do that? He said, nothing I say is anything for you to do. It's just information that may help to orient the mind in a particular way while you're just noticing your experience. And so sometimes we can think of these Dharma talks almost as just like Dharma rain. It's just like gently falling information that can land on the earth and kind of seep into the ground and, and maybe the plants will grow based on that water, but not so much something to pick up as an activity. Sometimes it's hard not to speak that way. I try, and I almost always get caught in the language of, oh, you can pay attention to. So what I'm talking about is some things that can be noticed. It's more descriptions of things that might be able to be noticed than instructions about something to do. And so also, along these lines, something that we can notice or be, there can be a kind of a curiosity about is what it feels like for the mindfulness when it's already present. So that experience of the kind of the continuity of mindfulness. That we can begin to get a flavor of that momentum of mindfulness also as the experience of mindfulness. And that is a place where we we can prompt the mindfulness a little bit. I talked about unprompted and prompted mindfulness before. We can prompt the mindfulness a little bit to um, just remind ourselves gently. When we are aware, we can remind ourselves to be aware. And yet, I've already heard in in some of the the group meetings that uh, sometimes there's a little bit, it sounds like a little bit of overdoing of that um, prompting. Some of you describing the mind getting tired with this doing of of this part of the practice. And so this is a place where the kind of getting familiar with that experience of the mindfulness as it's more continuous, the, the feeling of just being present. That's a way to frame it potentially, it's just the experience of being present. As we get a flavor, the flavor of that experience. Then we may start to begin to recognize, you know, where does that mindfulness get a little bit loose? We may start to to notice it get a little bit less stable. And that would be when to bring bring the reminders back in. And the reminders are very simple. It might just be as simple as aware. Or maybe it's just recognizing already aware. Noticing that, oh yeah, already aware. Already aware.
So the other side of the exploration of the coming and goings of mindfulness, we've talked really about it returning at this point, mindfulness returning. We can also get curious in that place where the mindfulness begins to weaken, where it begins to get lost. And, and so where does mindfulness get, get lost? Where does awareness get lost? Initially, this exploration is usually we notice in retrospect when mindfulness returns, we notice that it has been lost and we may know something about the conditions around which it got lost. Not that we have to do a lot there, but just, just again, it's very kind of simple. When we, when, we, when we wake up, we may recognize that the mindfulness has gotten lost because I went into my room. You know, that, that just close the door, it's like, oh, I don't have to be mindful, nobody's looking. So being curious about this, where does, the, where does the mindfulness get lost? So this, this begins to support continuity as we begin to recognize what conditions mindfulness gets lost with. It's not about judging ourselves. And it's also not about doubling down when we notice certain areas or mind states in which we tend to lose mindfulness. But again, being, being curious, it's like, okay, when that happens, I've noticed a pattern. And, and the noticing of the pattern seems also to happen. Our minds are natural pattern recognizers. And so if we're curious about what is the pattern around which mindfulness gets lost, we'll begin to notice those patterns. It doesn't have to be a big project. And so the... Um, when we begin to notice that mindfulness gets lost in certain experiences or things that we're doing, as, we're, as we notice those things happening, rather than having the idea of something like, okay, I know that when I go into my room, mindfulness gets lost, so I'm going to force myself to stay mindful. I am going to like, know every single moment when I walk in that door and, you know, just I'm going to really make myself be mindful. That's not what I'd like to propose here. Instead, I'd rather that you be curious about what happens when you go in your room. Get curious about what is it that catches the mind? What is it that the mind gets hooked to? Or what is it that it, it does? And so there's, there's a lot of different places and areas we can explore like this. And some of them, you know, we can just be curious in a kind of broad sense of various times of the day, various activities perhaps that we do where broadly we recognize, yeah, not very mindful while I'm doing my dishes, while I'm doing my yogi job, while I'm going for a walk around the loop, while I'm in the bathroom, just, we may notice these areas, these places where mindfulness kind of, it's like these little sinkholes of mindfulness. And so as you notice a pattern like that, 
as you notice, oh yeah, you know, I tend to lose my mindfulness in my yogi job. Then when you're headed to your yogi job, you might be mindful. And again, not to say I'm going to force myself to be mindful with all of that chopping, but just be curious what happens. It's, it's an interesting thing. Carol talked the other day about letting the mindfulness co- just come along for the ride with what's happening. That's what I'm proposing here. Come along for the ride where you know mindfulness tends to get lost and kind of curious about where does it slip? What happens there? We can begin to see that. Not by trying to see it, not by trying to force ourselves to stay present. If we're trying to force ourselves to stay present through the whole thing, we won't see where the mind gets caught because we'll be preempting it by forcing the mindful, mindfulness to stay present. And so it's, it's really this almost willingness to let the mindfulness slip in order to see what happens in that moment. So when you notice areas like that, just See if you can bring some curiosity to it. What goes on there? What goes on? So we might lose awareness in specific activities. I talked the other day of another kind of way that we can lose awareness uh, or, or may tend to lose awareness when attention shifts and we don't notice that attention has shifted. That's another common way of... of um, the mindfulness getting lost. So I mentioned the seeing, looking, hearing, listening, that, that kind of the, the attention shifts to something else. Again, if there's curiosity about that shift of attention and not, not saying shouldn't let the attention shift, but just what is it that draws the attention? And, and knowing that, Knowing that shift of attention, the familiarity with that shift of attention, again, not as something to do, not as a project here. Again, I'm just mentioning this as something that can be seen may help you to be curious about it and may help there to be some seeing of it. The seeing, looking, hearing, listening is an easy place to begin that exploration, but it happens everywhere. Like our attention is, is very frequently shifting from experience to experience, particularly in this receptive kind of practice. We're receiving what is, is happening and the attention is picking up on new experience, moment after moment. At one point I described this experience of the, uh, the attention picking up on all these different experiences, uh, the, the shifting of attention, the feeling of the shift of attention, but it's, it's really the, just the arising of a new experience. And I'm, I mentioned that to Sayadaw, and he, he, he kind of got into that. He said, he said yeah, it's kind of like, like you're taking a dog for a walk. And that dog is like into everything. It's sniffing this and looking at that and barking at that, and it's all over the place. But our job is just to hold on to the leash. You know, we just we just stay connected, and then the wherever the mindfulness, wherever the attention goes, we can know that. But very frequently, when the attention shifts to something, if we're not aware that it has shifted, we'll start thinking about it, and then we'll get 
the mindfulness will get lost. We'll, we'll lose the mindfulness. We also kind of may tend to lose awareness in habitual states of mind, ones that we tend to be identified with. So that our, our, our kind of favorite flavors, you've all practiced so much, you all probably know your favorite flavors of identification, the things that our mind tends to get stuck to and caught by. And those tend to be things that the mindfulness gets lost with. Often we tend to notice in retrospect, again, that we have been caught by something, by a mind state, a depression or a frustration or an anger, an aversion, a, a desire, a fear, a doubt, a confusion. And so we may not see the getting lost in it initially. And yet, with these very habitual states of mind, we probably will wake up into them. So when the mindfulness returns, we will notice that the mind has returned to some, at some points, not always, of course, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes the mindful, when mindfulness returns, it actually is more settled. But some chunk of the time when mindfulness returns, it will return, and, and what will be happening is one of those habitual mind states. And so that, in that moment of the mindfulness returning in that habitual mind state, really like, oh, this is what's happening. Oh, here's that familiar mind state. Okay, what's this like? Again, what's this landscape of this familiar habitual state of mind? Can, and check the attitude. Can it be okay that this is happening? This is just this is an opportunity to learn about this habitual mind state. It's something that has probably been practiced for years. And here it is, an opportunity while you're mindful to get to know it, to get familiar with it to learn something about it. And so in that moment, as we really begin to get familiar with the quality of that state, this is what I've seen in my own practice is I've really gotten curious about these habitual states, kind of similar to what I described about the seeing of the mindfulness returning. As we get familiar with that, it begins to kind of point itself out to us and we notice it more. And as we get more attuned to the qualities of, the, of those habitual mind states, what it's like in the body, what the mind is like, the feeling, the felt sense of that state, it begins kind of to attune us to that state. And in, in my experience, as I've gotten curious about just waking up with some of these habitual states, noticing them, being, being curious, being present for them. What has happened is that over time, the mindfulness seems to have, it's like the mindfulness gets, 
attuned to that state, and it's almost like the state itself becomes a mindfulness bell. It begins to wake us up when it happens. And so in my experience, it's like that, that habitual pattern, in my case, the first one I really explored was anger, began to point itself out. It's like I, I noticed that I was waking up into anger, but it was not as deeply wound as it had been early on. So the, the practice of noticing it helped the mind to recognize it and wake up into it earlier. And so it created the conditions for seeing it before it got quite so sticky. And then also, to my amazement, began to create the conditions almost so that I could see it coming before it came. It's like the mind began to get so familiar with that pattern, it began to recognize like the scent of it coming. And at that point then, the mind, the mind could really be present with the arising of that habitual state and learn something very deep about it. And, and also potentially see the pull into wanting to like go into it. That was shocking to me, actually, when I saw this, especially around anger. It's like, saw this kind of inclining towards anger. Not angry in the moment, but just seeing the thought and the, it's kind of like this freight train of like, yeah, I really want to get angry here. Just like feeling that movement towards it. It's like, wow, this is, this is the momentum of that pattern. If I hadn't been mindful for that, the, mind would, the mindfulness would have gotten lost. But being present for it had a, 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 a power to help me stay present in that moment and not get pulled into the pattern of the anger. So again, curious about what are the the states of mind in which mindfulness gets lost, where mindfulness tends to not be available. And then aside from our kind of identified states, there's some familiar habits or familiar states of mind that many of us tend to almost equate with non-mindfulness. Sleepiness, Spaciness. Zoning out. Low energy. At one point I was, had a long stretch, a couple years where the energy was so low. And I had many, many moments where What the mind was saying and believing was, I don't have enough energy to be mindful. And seeing that thought, I remember so clearly, I was actually doing walking meditation on the driveway 
in front of IMS and I had that thought, I'm just too low energy, I'm too exhausted to be mindful. And I noticed that thought, was aware of that thought, and then I noticed, but seeing's happening, aware of seeing. Hearing's happening, aware of hearing. So there's mindfulness already happening. In retrospect, what, in that particular state of low energy, what I didn't have the capacity to do was to choose what to be mindful of. I couldn't direct the attention. The mind was pretty exhausted. But there was already mindfulness happening. And so this this can point us to the recognition that some of these states that we think are inherently non-mindful, maybe, just maybe, you can be mindful of the state itself. Dull mind, sleepy mind. Maybe we can't be mindful in the way that we'd like to be mindful. We can't be mindful potentially choosing what we'd like to be attending to. Not that we're trying to do that here anyway, but but still the habit of believing too sleepy to be mindful. If you, if you have that thought, I'm too sleepy to be mindful, and you notice or, or, or can be aware of that thought, I'd like to propose you have enough awareness to be mindful of the sleepiness. We sometimes have the belief that mindfulness feels a certain way. And that's, I think, where this comes from, that low energy, there's not enough energy to be mindful, something like that, comes from a belief that When I'm mindful, it feels like there's energy. It feels like there's clarity in the mind. And so we may have a kind of a sense, what I was talking before about noticing what it's like when we're mindful. And often when we first notice that, when we first really get a sense of familiarity with what it's like to be mindful, there's a particular quality of mindfulness that's happening in that moment. Often it has to do with clarity. We know that there's a lot of clarity of contact. We know exactly what the objects are. There's a brightness in the mind. It often feels pleasant. And so we have this experience And we're interested in what it's like to be mindful. It's like, oh, this is mindfulness. 
And so yes, there, there, is, there is the continuity of mindfulness there, that is the experience of mindfulness, but there's a lot of extra things there that we're also attributing to mindfulness, like that particular kind of clarity, like the, the pleasantness. The mindfulness is the simple being aware. At one point I was um, practicing at Shui Umin, the monastery with Saido. And uh, as I was moving, shifting from walking meditation to sitting meditation, I noticed that my mind, it's like I, I noticed the mind trying to shift its state in order to put itself into a more, quote, meditative state. And noticing that, noticing that that's what the mind was doing, the, the kind of, there was a kind of a wisdom question. It's like, well, what's wrong with this state? Why, why does the mind think it has to change the state in order to meditate? If I ever notice at this point that I'm trying to change the state of my mind or think I can't be mindful while something is happening. Like, that's just a thought. It's just a belief. It's just the mind believing something. It's just believing that it can't be mindful. If it has enough energy or enough recognition that it's noticing the thing it thinks it can't be mindful of, it can be mindful of it. So if you're, you're seeing that, if you're seeing the, the mind trying to change the state because of some belief or view, can't be mindful, try the mindfulness first before doing something. Now it may be, it may well be, and some of you have described in some of the meetings that sometimes there's something strong that happens and there's a kind of a, a feeling, again, pulled into the sinkhole or the rabbit hole of a particular mind state. And there are times when a mind state is stronger than our capacity to be mindful of it. And so we need to be honest with ourselves about that and to, to honor that the mindfulness isn't quite strong enough to meet some of those powerful states. And yet, Give yourself the chance to see if there is mindfulness that can meet it. So often we have the belief that we can't be mindful of something because in the past it was hard to be mindful of it. Give yourself the opportunity to check. Can I be mindful of this? What's the attitude? And so in the noticing of mindfulness itself, that sense of being present, and that familiar kind of sense that we go for of the clarity, of the, the kind of the sense of knowing every single experience. There are different ways that mindfulness can feel. And so trusting or being curious about Am I aware? That question, am I aware? 
We may not know what we're aware of. There may not be any clarity around contact at all. You may have no clue what the object is, but we may know that we're aware. Trust that. You know that you're aware. Explore the discomfort. Usually that can come with some dis- often it can come with some discomfort when we're not clear about the object. And so notice that. Yep, discomfort's happening. Don't know the object, and discomfort's happening. Okay, that's what's going on. Some different ways I've noticed the experience feeling like sometimes the attention's very focused and the mindfulness can be very present and clear. Sometimes there can be a very broad experience of awareness, knowing many different experiences. Sometimes it feels like one experience is known after another, and there's a lot of clarity of this thing, and then this thing, and then this thing. Other times it feels more vague, like this shifting landscape, and not real clarity about where the attention is at any given moment. Sometimes it feels like the mind knows many things all at once. Sometimes it feels more like popcorn. Individual things being known, popping in and out of existence. Sometimes it can feel like there's a separation between the knowing and the known. It feels it feels like there's a, a, a distance or a, a, a it's clear, it's clearly that there's a difference between knowing what is known and the knowing. Sometimes it feels like there's an actual separation. It can feel like there's a lot of space around the object, that often there's that kind of quality of feeling like there's space around the experience. Sometimes people um, point to that, that kind of feeling of having space around the experience as being what, that, what it's like to be mindful. That's what I'm going for. That's the experience that I'm looking for, is that spacious feeling around what's happening. But sometimes it doesn't have that feeling of spaciousness or separation. It feels like the mindfulness is right in the middle of what's happening. And so again, being curious, is there awareness? That, that question, that simple question, aware? Seems almost like a throwaway question. Because if we can ask the question almost, I mean, I I have known people to just kind of be aware, 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 kind of not aware of having it almost be like a mantra that they've gotten lost in. But if there's any recognition of that aware, there is awareness. And yet, so it seems like it might be just a throwaway question because if I can ask the question, why bother? If I think of even asking the question, why bother? But what it does begin to do is to point the mind to be curious about the awareness itself. Aware? And using that question when there's any sense of, um, am I aware? Okay, yeah. What's the question there? The am I aware? Often it's about a different experience of awareness that we're not familiar with. 
So trusting that. Okay, aware, yeah. No idea what I'm aware of, but knowing that I'm aware. So it's time to stop. Thank you for your attention.